Welcome, everybody. We're so glad that you are with us today. My name is Todd. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, before I get started in today's message, uh, I, I just want to share something. Um, during worship, I happened to be out in the foyer, and I was looking out the front window, and uh, I saw uh, what I thought was the Samaritan flying past. And so I immediately thought, man, you know, Lord, just give them comfort. Please bring healing, whatever is involved in that. Uh, you know, just bring healing to that situation. Bring them hope if they don't already know you. And I, I felt the Holy Spirit say, that's what my church is for. And I thought, wow, that's right. Because that's the purpose of the local church, is that we are to take the hope of Jesus outside of these four walls. So I just want to encourage you with that today. Uh, I, I remember before I became a pastor, I was talking with my friend Nathan, who, uh, who worked at the church at that time. And I said, man, I'm, I'm, so, uh, I'm so envious, really, of you because you work at the church. You're on the front lines of ministry. And he looked at me like I was crazy because I was, right? He's like, no, no, you working in your secular job are on the front lines of ministry, right? So wherever you work, wherever you go to school, wherever you find yourself pumping gas, uh, buying groceries, whatever, that is the mission field. What we do on Sunday is, is to fill us, is to, to get our batteries recharged, to be around other people and get encouraged. But it's what happens out there the rest of the week. That's where the magic happens, so to speak, all right? All right, so that was not my sermon whatsoever. Uh, that was just a little bit of a bonus. Uh, at least I consider it to be a bonus. <laughs> You're like, why did I come today? No, um, okay, so we are continuing with our series on oil reserves, and this is week three. Now, in week one, we learned about the concept of the oil reserves. Pastor Adam shared a great message where he talked about you know, why we need to have that oil and that other people can't fill our oil reserves for us. And then last week, Pastor Deal shared a great message about uh, how there are things that can poke holes or, or cause leaks in our, in our oil jar, our oil flask. And today, we're going to talk about, okay, so now we know that nobody can do it for us. We know that there are things that can cause it to leak out. Well, how do we get it filled in the first place? And so that's what we're talking about today. Today, we're going to talk about three separate ways that we can get our oil filled. Because remember, oil symbolizes the Holy Spirit. It symbolizes the power that God pours in our lives so that we can go out and do that ministry and share that love and that hope with the world. Because I don't think I need to tell anybody that's ever worked a secular job, it can be a pretty rough environment sometimes, right? Maybe just the places I worked and not you guys. Are we awake this morning? See, I, I like interactive preaching, right? So when I, when I preach with the teens on Wednesday nights, you know, I expect like question and answer and, and stuff like that. So if I kind of give you weird looks because you're quiet, that's why. Um, I, I would like to steal uh, a, uh, a line from one of my favorite preachers. It's like, I could preach if I could get some help in here, right? <laughs> All right. So the first one that we are going to be talking about today, though, is Study. But before we get into that, I just want to hit again, the reason that these three things are so important is because we have to live lives of discipline. We can't just sit in church for an hour on Sunday and expect that that is going to be enough to get us through the whole week, okay? And so these three things that we're going to be talking about are the ways that we can get filled. And again, like Pastor Adam said, nobody can do this for us. Like, we have to do these things. All right, so these, 
I have my Bob Ross mug, in case anybody, Pastor Adam mentioned Bob Ross, you know, happy little trees. But, uh, so I've broken it down into these three categories, but there's a lot of overlap between the categories, okay? The first one, like I said, is study. And when, I, when we're talking about study, we're talking about the Bible, all right? And some people hear study and they're like, oh, calm down, don't, don't get too scared yet, I promise, all right? Uh, Matthew chapter 4, in verse 4, uh, Jesus is out in the desert and he's being tempted by the devil. And the devil says, you know, after Jesus hasn't eaten a thing for 40 days, and he says, look, if you're the son of God, why don't you make those stones into bread? And Jesus replies, people do not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. See, and the word of God is the scriptures. It's the Bible, all right? And that is so foundational to our lives. We have to build our lives on the word of God. The word of God, uh, uh, Paul writes to Timothy, and he says, the word of God, all scripture is breathed out by God, inspired by God, and it's useful for for teaching and instructing and and straightening out and rebuking and, and all of these things, so that the person of God can be complete. So you can't be a complete person of God without the word. And I love what Jesus said, that we don't live on bread alone. If I only ate a meal on Sunday, how healthy would my body be? I mean, it'd actually probably be healthier than it is now, because I eat junk, you know, seven days a week. But... uh, (laughs) Sorry, that was a little bit of conviction from the Holy Spirit there. Um, (laughs) But seriously, if I only ate one day a week, I wouldn't have much energy to go out and do anything. My body wouldn't be able to function. I wouldn't be able to move. I wouldn't be able to run. I wouldn't be able to do what God has called me to do. And it's the same thing with our spiritual lives. If you only feed your spirit on Sunday when you're here, you're going to starve your spirit the rest of the days. So we've got to be in the word daily. Now, when we talk about the word, okay, in in the New Testament, that word, word, stay with me here, is is translated two different Greek words. One is logos and the other is rhema. Now, logos is the Bible. It's scripture. Uh, It's also the term used for Jesus himself, when it says the word was made flesh and dwelt among us in, in the, the uh, chapter one of John. The other word is rhema. And rhema is, is kind of the, the warm, fuzzy one. Rhema is the one we really like, okay? So that's like when I mentioned that I was out in the foyer and I felt the Lord speak to me about the, the helicopter, okay? That's a rhema word, all right? And we love those. We like those because those are the, the ones that make us feel good. Like, oh yeah, the Lord spoke to me, it was great. But I love something that Pastor Deal taught me years ago. He said, don't expect a rhema word from God when you're neglecting the logos word of God, okay? Don't ask why God is silent when you haven't been in your Bible. Because again, the word, the scriptures, the Bible is the primary method that God uses to speak to us. So there are, there, there are two types of, or what I consider to be two types of Bible reading, okay? And, and again, there's overlap with this. Uh, but the first one is what I call devotion, all right? And, and that's just reading, I don't want to say just, but that's reading the Bible to, to be close to God, to, to uh, you know, read through the story or whatever. That's why I'm doing an Exodus right now. 
uh, I just, I read a chapter of Exodus a day. And I think about it and I, I kind of chew over it and stuff, but I don't get out my paper and pen and, you know, underline and all that stuff. That, that's a different thing I'm going to talk about in a second. But in Deuteronomy, Moses is giving God's instructions to the Israelites and he says this, So commit yourselves wholeheartedly to these words of mine. This is God speaking through Moses. Tie them to your hands and wear them on your forehead as reminders. Teach them to your children. Talk about them when you are at home and when you are on the road, when you're going to bed and when you are getting up. Write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates so that as long as the sky remains above the earth, you and your children may flourish in the land the war swore, the Lord swore to give your ancestors. See, that kind of reading is just to keep God foremost in your mind. It's to keep his word foremost in your mind. Like, like that's your daily bread, you know? That, that's what you're eating. That's what you're feeding your spirit. And the Bible app, the YouVersion Bible app is fantastic for this. Um, I highly recommend you get it. Um, I use it every single day. I have it set 7.24 a.m. It pops up my, uh, my verse of the day and I read that. And then I jump in and I read through Exodus. There's just so many great things you can do with that app. If you've been through our Discover New Hope class, I, I cover that pretty much in depth. If you have questions about it, that, that's a computer thing so I can help you with that. It, it doesn't have anything to do with microphones, all right? So come and talk to me about that if you have questions. Now, the next type that I'm talking about is what what I consider to be actual Bible study. Now, take a deep breath. All right, everybody, we can do this, all right? And when we do Bible study, that's for us to really dig deep. And it's for us to really understand and learn what God wants from us. To really understand and learn who God is. To really understand and learn the truth about how the world operates. Uh, in the book of Acts, you know, Paul's on his missionary journeys and stuff, and they went to the city of Thessalonica, and they, they weren't very well received. So they went on to Berea. And the people of Berea were more open-minded than those in Thessalonica, and they listened eagerly to Paul's message. They searched the scriptures day after day to see if Paul and Silas were, were uh, teaching the truth. Now, again, this is when we get into like the nitty-gritty of, of Bible study. You know, maybe you do a word study, and I'll, I'll explain how this stuff works. You know, you're actually looking at the grammar, like, okay, why was this word chosen instead of this word? Um, you know, we're, we're learning about the, the customs of the time, and, and it involves scripture memorization and stuff like that. Now, again, this does not have to be intimidating. You don't have to know Hebrew or Greek. I don't know Hebrew. I don't know Greek. I don't know anybody personally that does, except for one guy, and he's actually teaching a how to study the Bible class downstairs right now, uh, right? So don't let the idea of study intimidate you, or don't let the idea that, man, I hated school when I was a kid, don't let that intimidate you, okay? Because as I go through these things, I'm going to explain a little bit of how easy it can be, especially in our day and age, to actually study scripture. So there are tons of great resources out there. One of the best is if you have a study Bible. Anybody have a study Bible? I know Pastor Adam does, right? I love my study Bible. It's got great notes in it, and I'm like, oh, okay, so maybe that's what that passage means. And there's, you know, hey, I can go look at this verse that compares and and things like that. So a study Bible is a great aid. Uh, Another one is uh, uh, an interlinear and that's 
a scary term that just means it has the English words and then it has the Greek words right underneath them. Now you may say, why do I need that, Pastor Todd? Well, because sometimes, you remember, Greek is a very, very different language from English, right? Greek has between four and seven different words for love that are just translated as love into English, but they all mean different things and, and stuff like that. Like there's agape love and there's eros and there's storge and phileo and all of these different things, all right? So, well, which kind of love is the Bible talking about? Because the love that God has for me is different from the love I have for my wife. I mean, I also have agape love for my wife too, but all right, so it's important to understand these things. And in interlinear, you look at it and like, okay, well, here's the Greek, the Greek word and it has, what's this G2352? That is a Strong's concordance number. So you look at that and you just flip right in your Strong's Concordance because everybody's got one on the shelf, right? Uh, you just flip right to it and you can look up that exact Greek word or there's Hebrew as well for the Old Testament. And you can just like see what that word actually means. How is it translated in other parts of the Bible? Like people have done the hard work for us. Woohoo! Thank you, Jesus, for, for James Strong and the rest of these guys, right? Now you might be saying, gosh, I don't, I don't have access to any of these things. I don't have that library of books or anything like that. Well, I have good news for you. Uh, there is Logos Bible Software, L-O-G-O-S. They have a free version that you can use. Uh, but personally, I love just the Blue Letter Bible. Anybody ever heard of that one, Blue Letter Bible? Uh, they have a website and they have an app. You can go to blueletterbible.org, and that is their website. Or you can download the app. And we're going to see a video here in just a second of how easy it is to look stuff up in the Blue Letter Bible app. All right, so I think we have the video of that. Let's, uh, let's take a peek at that. So you open the Blue Letter Bible, and then you get to pick at the top. You tap on Matthew, and it gives you all the different books you can go to. We're going to Ephesians 6 today. You just tap on the 6. And then I'm scrolling through, and I'm reading through, and I'm like, oh, I get to this whole armor of God. What's this about? Like, oh, okay. Well, oh, wait, what's the shield of faith? So I tap on shield, and I tap interlinear concordance, and then it brings up, see how we've got the Greek on the right and the English on the left, and I'm going to tap on shield. What does shield mean? And the word is thurios, which means a shield, a large, oblong, four-cornered shield. Oh, wow. When I thought of the shield of faith, I always thought it was some little knight's shield, you know, that was like, you know, maybe, maybe like the triangle of a road sign. No, the, the shield that Paul is talking about, the shield of faith, it was like this tall. And you could hide your entire body behind it so that you could just look over it. So those fiery darts that the enemy is throwing at you, you can just get, and your faith, that shield of faith will protect you from it. See, we got nerdy, we talked about Roman armor, and we got into Greek at the same time. I mean, yeah. How about that for, for the Blue Letter Bible? It was free. All right, I could talk about this for hours, but I gotta keep moving. Now, you might be saying, I'm not a pastor. I'm not a theologian. I don't even teach Sunday school. Why do I, why do I care about this? Why do I need to do this? Well, first of all, remember that the Bereans, the only thing we know about the Berean church is that they were searchers for truth. And they were praised in scripture because they were searchers for truth. We need to be searching the scripture for truth because listen, there's false teachers out there. Yeah. Pastor Deal preached about that a couple of weeks ago. Wolves in sheep's clothing. Some of them are well-intentioned. Some of them are malicious. But there are a lot of false teachers out there that can lead you astray. They may say things that sound good, 
Anybody ever heard the phrase, oh, God won't give you any more than you can handle? That's nonsense. Just ask Jesus. The truth is God won't give you more than you can handle without him. It's through him. He says, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. It doesn't say that, you know, oh, I'm just going to load you right to the breaking point and then, you know, send you off. No. He says, I'm going to break you, but I'll be with you. Sorry, that one annoys me. Um, So false teachers, you know, there's false things out there that if you don't understand the scripture, you might buy into that. All right? You know what? This is going to shock you. I'm human. I make mistakes. I may say something dumb up here today. That is, in, that is entirely possible. I, I do my best not to, but sometimes I do make mistakes. Or maybe I say something and I just say it wrong. Anybody's ever done that? You're having a, a, a calm discussion with somebody and you say something and it comes out in a way that you didn't mean, but it really sounds like something rude. Okay, that's just me again. All right, good. Glad the rest of you guys have that, have that covered. Sorry, I got my, my mic cord twisted, so I, that's why I keep tugging on it. But, um, right? Like, I might make a mistake. And you need to be able to check the scriptures to, to make sure that I'm preaching what's true. I mean, I like to think if I say something too bad, Pastor Deal is going to tackle me and, and knock me off, this, off the stage here. Um, <laughs> he's, he's got that little smile on his face that he does. <laughs> Makes me think he's got a hook backstage, you know, like the, the, and then I talked about how it can be important to understand like what's going on behind the scenes, like with the customs and stuff. One of my favorite examples is the wedding feast at Cana, right? That was Jesus's first miracle. He's, he's hanging out at a wedding and they have a problem. They run out of wine. And so his mom, anybody, your mom ever asked you to do something in public? You're like, mom, stop. Right? Well, so uh, Mary comes up to him and says, Hey, they're out of wine. And Jesus is like, so? Like, how is that my problem? But then Mary says to the head steward guy, he says, all right, do whatever he tells you to do. And I can just see, like, Jesus is like, all right. Since it's my mom, I'll do it, right? You've got to honor your father and mother. And so he has the waiters fill up these big stone jars with water. Now, these big stone jars were used for the ritual purification that the Jews had to go through, like before they ate and things like that. They had to wash their hands, and they had to do these different things. And so Jesus has them fill these jars that are for purification with water. And then he changes the water in those jars to wine. And you're like, wow, that's pretty cool. He, he, can, he can change stuff into, into other things. But see, it's so much deeper than that. Because wine is called the blood of grapes, And we know that the life is in the blood because scripture talks about that. So what Jesus is doing is symbolic of what he is going to do on the cross. See, because we went from the old covenant where we had to do all of these things to become right before God. And now we're at the new covenant where Jesus shed blood on the cross once and for all, takes care of our sin. And he's doing it right there in these stone purification jars. How amazing is that? And when you understand what is happening there, it just makes it come alive. It makes it pop off the page. You're like, this is not just some boring, random stuff that happened 2,000 some years ago. Like, this has meaning. And this matters for us today. And so when you study their customs and you learn things like that, you're like, at least I am. I'm like, oh. So... Another reason why study is important is because of memorization. 
we, we were talking about Jesus in the desert. One of my favorite Psalms is Psalm 119. Now, I will be honest, I do not have the entirety of Psalm 119 memorized. It is an extremely long psalm. But my favorite part of it is verse 11, and it says, I have hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. I have hidden your word in my heart. You want to stop sinning? You're struggling with some, some kind of sin or something like that, and you want to stop? Hide the word of God in your heart. You want to fight against the temptations that come your way every single day? Hide the word of God in your heart. Whatever it is, whether you're tempted to look at porn, whether you're tempted to steal money, or you're tempted to gossip, or, or whatever the case may be, you want, that to, you want to be able to fight against that? Hide the word in your heart. Because remember, that's what Jesus did when he was being tempted in the desert by the devil. Every time the devil tempted him with something, he responded with scripture. Every single time, his response was scripture. And he was able to do that because he knew scripture. Now, you might say, well, he had a little bit of advantage because, you know, he spoke it out initially, right? But still, we have the ability to memorize scripture. And it's really not that hard to do. We, we get kind of lazy because we have Google now, right? I, I admit that. I used to have a lot more scriptures memorized, you know, and I'm like, well, I think it's somewhere, so I'm going to just Google it, right? But when we can really get that scripture down in our hearts, it makes a huge, huge difference. So uh, there's a couple of different ways. I mean, tons of different ways you can memorize stuff. You can do flashcards, whatever. The method I like to do is I just keep reading a scripture over and over, and I chew on it throughout the day, and I think about it, and I repeat it back to myself. That works great for me. Uh, Pastor Adam, he likes to write things down. He, so he'll do like, I have. I have hidden. I have hidden your word. I have hidden your word in my heart. And he'll just go on like that with the whole verse. And he'll just write it over and over. And that really helps to cement it in his mind. And of course, you know, we all know that when you write things down, it helps you remember, right? Like over and over and over, like tons of studies have been done that writing things down helps you remember and helps to really cement it. Because you guys know that though, because you're all taking notes today, right? Everybody's taking notes? Yeah, I figured. All right, that's good. That's good. You're going to wish you had in just a minute because there's going to be something special for those people that took notes. All right, I don't know how exciting it will be. but Now, if you're just getting started, like maybe you're a new Christian or maybe you've been a Christian for a long time but you've never really done any kind of Bible study or, or you just don't know where to start, uh, I have good news for you. Uh, there is a very simple Bible study method. It's what I use with the teenagers. We use it at our house. Uh, this is a great way to get started. It's called the SOAP method, all right? And it's an acronym, and each letter stands for something else. So what you do is you just take a piece of scripture that you're going to study, and you just go through the SOAP acronym. And we'll start, we'll just do uh, Psalm 23, uh, the Lord is my shepherd, there's nothing I shall want, okay? Or I have all I need. So the S is scripture. All right, so I've chosen the scripture. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Uh, next, we're going to do O, which is observation. So what is happening in this scripture? What is going on? All right, well, so the Lord is my shepherd. Well, a shepherd is somebody that takes care of the sheep. Okay, so the Lord, in his word, says that he's going to take care of me. Okay, I have everything I need. All right, see, that, that word want used to mean 
I don't lack anything, all right? Like there's nothing I shall want. It doesn't mean like the Lord is my shepherd, I shall have a new sports car, right? Because, you know, I want a new sports car. That, that's not what it, what it means in that context. That's why I switched it to the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. See, oh, okay, so God, like a shepherd for his sheep, will watch over me and make sure I have everything I need. Okay, now what's the application? A is application. Because, you know, soap has to be applied for it to do any good, right? You know, you can't just look at a, at a bar of soap and expect it to clean your hands off, right? All right? So here's the application. So what do I need to do or not do or do differently because of the scripture? Well, wow, I guess I need to start relying more on God because he said that he's going to take care of me. And I, I guess I should stop worrying. Okay. And then the P is prayer. And, and by the way, you're writing all these things down on, on a piece of paper in your, in your notes journal because everybody's got one of those, right? Um, and uh, and the, the prayers are, okay. Father, I, I see through this scripture that I need to focus more on trusting you. And God, I just ask, help me to see all the times that you have taken care of me if I've missed them. And, and, and you just go on and you pray like that. And so it's scripture, observation, application, and prayer. And what you've done is you've just taken a, a fairly deep dive on one particular scripture. I was like, oh, cool. You know what? You just did a Bible study, my friends. Good for you. All right. Now, I would stay on the Bible all day if I could, but I got to keep moving. All right, so the next thing we're going to be talking about, the, the next thing that we can do to get filled, I'm calling this soak, okay? And th this doesn't mean like, you know, you're running through the fountain or, or anything like that. Uh, what, what this means is soaking in God's presence, okay? And sometimes we call that worship. Now, worship... There's a lot of confusion about what that word actually means. See, when we hear the word worship, we usually think of corporate worship, what we just did here today. We were together for 15 minutes and we sing some songs to, to the Lord and all right, cool, that's worship, right? And, and it is, but that's only part of what worship is. Worship is actually a lifestyle. Worship is actually something that we do on a continuous basis. Do we have any medical professionals? Uh, I think we've got a, a medical issue here. So somebody is a doctor, nurse, something of that. Thank you, Nicole. All right. So um, let's see, where was I? Yeah, we're talking about worship. So I'm not saying that singing together on Sunday is not part of worship. But what I am saying is that we need to talk about personal worship not this corporate worship that we're doing, okay? So what is worship? The definition is the reverent love and devotion accorded a deity. The ceremonies, prayers, or other religious forms by which this love is expressed, ardent admiration or love or adoration. See, there's this hole inside of every single human, okay? I'm, I'm talking figuratively here, right? There's a, there's a hole in our, in our heart or your mind, whatever you want to call it, and we, we want to fill that hole. But we were designed by God so that only he can fill that space. But we tend to go off after other things. See, and that's what, that's what uh, God was saying in the, uh, in the Old Testament. You know, he said, I am the Lord your God. You shall not have other gods before me. Now, we're not like making golden calves and, and bowing down to them like the Israelites did, but we all worship something because we were made to worship. And the question is, if you're not worshiping God, what are you worshiping? And you might think, well, how do I know 
if I'm worshiping something other than God? Well, let me ask you, what takes the number one spot in your life? Is it your job? Is it your kids' activities? Is it Netflix? Is it World of Warcraft or Call of Duty? Whatever takes the number one priority in your life is the thing you are worshiping. So think about it. Does God have the number one place in your life? If he does, then you're worshiping God. If he doesn't, you're worshiping something else, and that something else is called an idol, and it's a false god. Worship is a way of life. Paul, writing to the church in Rome, said, So, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Now, that word bodies there, it doesn't mean just our physical bodies. It really means like everything we have, our body, our mind, our spirit, everything. And see, Paul is saying, give everything you have to the Lord. And that is how you worship him. Have you given everything you have to the Lord? If you have, that's worship. Now listen, I'm not saying that you can't have a nice car. I'm not saying that you can't play video games. I'm not saying that you can't like watching football. You know, I'm not, I'm not saying any of that. But what I am saying is that none of those things can take first place in your life. It has to be God. And when God has first place in your life, everything you do can be worship. I remember when I was a very young Christian, all the way back in 2003, whoo, um, I read The Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Anybody, yeah? And I remember in the chapter on worship, it just shocked me so much because he was talking about like, you can worship God pumping gas. Like putting gas in your car can be an act of worship if you're doing it with the right heart. And I was like, oh. You know, because I thought worship was what we did on Sunday mornings, right? See, worship involves surrender and obedience. Ooh, we're Americans. We don't need no king, right? I love on, on the 4th of July, this meme goes around. And so, of course, next year it'll be King Charles, which is weird to say. Uh, but the, uh, this past 4th of July, it was a picture of uh, Queen Elizabeth. And it said, happy treason day, you colonists, or, or something like that on, on the 4th of July, right? And, okay, three people got the joke. That's cool. Um, <laughs> either that or, or people are like, wow, that is not funny. Um, <laughs> that's probably what it was. I have an odd sense of humor, right? But, but we're Americans. We don't need nobody to tell us what to do. We're going to do our own thing, right? Because we're Americans, gosh darn it. But see, following Jesus is countercultural. We just did a whole sermon on that, a whole sermon series on that. And so when we actually are going to follow Jesus, we have to put him first in our lives. We just talked about that with worship. But that's not just giving him more time. It's letting him call the shots. It's letting him decide what we are going to do. I love Peter. Peter's one of my favorite people in the Bible because, uh, like, you know, Peter uh, did not exactly have a star-studded start to his career as one of Jesus' apostles. Uh, like, Peter makes me feel good when I, when I read about him, okay? Because I'm like, all right, sweet, it's not just me. You know, Peter, Peter was right there with me asking dumb questions and, and stuff. But, but I love Peter's faith here. 
There's, there's a story that they tell uh, in, in the Gospel of Luke. And so Peter, you know, he's a professional fisherman. Like, this is what he does. They've been out all night fishing. They get back to shore. They haven't caught a thing. And Jesus says, hey, go back out and put your nets down on the other side of the boat. And I can just imagine Peter like, you're, you're a carpenter. What do you know about fishing? You know, like, I, I wouldn't tell you how to build a table, but I love what he says here. Peter replied, master, we worked hard all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. Lord, I don't know what you're telling me to do because it doesn't make any sense to me. But if you say so, I'll go talk to that person. If you say so, I'll read my Bible. If you say so, I'll go do this thing that I don't really want to do. Because God, Jesus, is in charge. And if you know the rest of the story, you know, Peter goes out and they let the nets down and they pull the nets back up and the nets are so full of fish that they're in danger of breaking and they have to get some of their fishing buddies to come over and help them pull these nets back up because there were so many fish. And that's just one example. And it means surrendering our time. I have to watch myself. I'm not really selfish with my money. I'm not really selfish with my possessions. I mean, some things, like don't touch my computer. And if you, if you drive my car, put the seat back exactly how it was, the radio station, my poor wife. You know, why isn't the radio station where I had it? You know, like what's going on? Uh, but for most of my stuff, I'm like, oh yeah, sure, you can borrow it, no big deal. You know, take it. I'm selfish with my time because I feel like I have so little of it. And so when I have time, I want to do what I want to do. But God says, your time belongs to me. Yeah. And so many times we try to build God into our lives when what we need to do is build our lives on God. We don't need to fit God into our lives somewhere. If, If I don't have time for God, that means there's something in my life that needs to go. I mean, man, that sounds harsh, but that's just the reality of it. Setting aside time for God. And this is where that private worship comes in. Uh, A lot of times when I do my private worship, I will put on like elevation worship or listen to some of the songs we sing here on Sundays. But a lot of times I use just like an instrumental music. Pastor Adam, he used some like uh, weird music term when he was talking about something about a melody he doesn't recognize. I have no idea what that means really. Um, But so he's got a playlist of music that he uses for when he just wants to sit in awe and worship the Lord with with no words or, or anything like that. And so again, for those of you who are using your, uh, the sermon notes at mynewhope.in, uh, you will find a QR code there. And uh, I just thought, like, how are they going to scan a QR code with their phone if they're using it? Okay, anyway, but there's a link there. You can get that. Uh, those of you who are with us online, there is a link in the chat, should be, so you can get that. It's a free Spotify playlist that Pastor Adam has put together, and you can download that for free. And there's other ways of worship too. It doesn't always have to be with music. I love hiking. And so I'll go out in the woods and I'll just, sometimes I'll just sit under a tree by myself and just marvel. Like think about a blade of grass. If you remember back to like your high school biology class, there's like ribosomes and chlorophyll and stuff in there. Like like God thought that up. Like I can't even remember how the dumb thing works, much less design it. And I'm just awed by his creation. And I worship him because of that. All right, I'm already behind, so I gotta hustle. So 
the last section that we're going to be talking about, the last thing again, and again, this is all overlapping, is seeking. And by that, I'm talking about prayer. Prayer. Now, see, prayer, we make it too difficult sometimes. Prayer is simply communicating with God. I love, there's this guy named Brother Lawrence, who, uh, who was a monk several hundred years ago. Fantastic book, The Practice of the Presence of God. Uh, highly recommend it. I've got a bunch of copies if anybody would like one. Uh, but he says, in continuing the practice of conversing with God throughout each day and quickly seeking his forgiveness when I fell or strayed, his presence has become as easy and natural to me now as it once was difficult to attain. And he talks about how he felt just as close to God when he was washing dishes in the monastery kitchen as when he was actually at prayers uh, with the rest of the monks. See, and that is only because he kept that ongoing conversation with God throughout the day. See, because we are constantly in the presence of God. If you are a Christian, you have the spirit of God inside of you, right? What is absence is awareness. Think about it. You are constantly in the presence of God, even if you don't feel it. But we need to go and operate as if we are in the presence of God. Now, there's several different types of prayer. There's uh, praying for someone else. We call it intercession. Uh, there's praying for our own needs. That's perfectly okay. In the Our Father, Jesus taught us to, that it's okay to ask God for, for the things that we need. We can pray for wisdom or guidance. We can share our heart with God. God's got big shoulders. He can handle it. If you're mad at God for something, you can share that with him. Okay, good. No lightning bolts, so I'm safe. You know, <laughs> when we pray, we can thank God. We can show him gratitude for the things he's done for us and for who he is. Uh, we can pray just to simply stay close to him. You know, uh, like my wife and I, we text throughout the day, which is kind of goofy now we, we work in the same office, but you know, we text throughout the day, we have this ongoing conversation. And sometimes it's about like actually important things. And sometimes it's just like, hey, I like you, you know, or, or you know, like I'll send like a gooey gift to her, like, like, I think you're cute or something like that, you know? And it's just so that we stay close. Right. See, because the key to a good prayer life is relationship just like the key to any kind of closeness, is relationship. God is not a heavenly vending machine. I, I have seen so many people come to God because they wanted something from him. And when they didn't get what they wanted, they fell away. Because they didn't understand that it's about relationship. Philippians chapter 4, a lot of us know this section. says, Don't worry about anything. But in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Uh, this past August, my dad passed away. He had cancer. When he was first diagnosed in June, uh, we thought, you know, we, we would have maybe six months to a year, and, and uh, we just had a little less than three months. Uh, but when he first got that diagnosis, I prayed. I said, Lord, just give me one more Christmas. Just give me one more Christmas with my dad, because he and I are both, uh, we were both huge Christmas fans. Now, he didn't take it quite as far as I did. He, he would, like, put up the tree the, the Saturday after Thanksgiving and stuff and put out the lights. But he just loved Christmas. He loved wrapping the gifts. And, you know, if you get a gift from me, you're lucky if I put it in a gift bag, right? You know, because, I mean, it's just paper, you know. But dad did, like, he made his own bows and, and stuff. And, and he, just, he just loved everything about Christmas. So I said, Lord, just one more Christmas. You know, I didn't get it. 
I didn't get what I asked for. And I was disappointed. I was hurt. I was crushed. But I also had peace. Because I knew that my Father God, who I trust, knew what was best. And that I don't always ask for the right things. I don't know why Dad died that quickly. I don't know why it it happened the way that it did. I will someday. But in the meantime, I just trust God. And the reason I trust God is because I have seen over the last 19 years of following him, not to mention the years before I was even a Christian, I've seen his hand in every area of my life. And not one time in my entire life can I say that God let me down. He didn't always do what I wanted him to. But every single time when I followed his way, it turned out far better than I could have imagined. Prayer is a close conversation. And it can be awkward if you're not close, right? Like, anybody ever had, like, that, that one awkward person who, who comes up to you and they're, like, standing, like, six inches away from you and you're like, who is this person? And they're like, what are your deepest hopes and dreams? And you're like, get off me, dude. Like, what's going on? Okay, I've, I've, okay so if, it's, if you don't have a friend like that or you haven't met somebody like that, it's probably you. Um, <laughs> so I turned it around, didn't I? Um, all right, I'm going to get emails about this one. Um, No, I'm just kidding about that. But right, like if you're not close to someone and they start asking you like deep questions and stuff, it can be really uncomfortable. It can be awkward. And it can be that way when our relationship with God, if we don't feel close to God, it can be hard to share our feelings with him, our thoughts and and things like that. But listen, you got to embrace the awkward. You got to embrace the weirdness. It's okay to feel weird when you first start talking with God. Because you know what? When I first started talking to my wife as more than just a friend, I mean, it was a little bit weird. It was, I was a little bit nervous about it. But you know how we got closer? We spent time together. And we started to open up to each other. And it was only through when we opened our hearts to each other that we became close. So if you want to get close to God, one, you got to spend time with him. Two, you got to open your heart to him. Now, I understand that, that, especially for men, this can be really difficult because a lot of men are taught, you know, hey, you know, you're hurting, rub some dirt on it. You know, keep a stiff, up, a stiff upper lip. And, and, you know, nobody likes a whiner, so that's good advice. But at the same time, guys, especially, we have to make sure that we're not just stuffing our emotions because when we get wounded, if we don't get that cleaned out, if we don't get that healed, it's going to get infected. And then it's going to affect every area of our life. Maybe your earthly father was distant or absent or, God forbid, even abusive. And if that's your story, I'm, I'm so sorry to hear that. I was blessed to have a great earthly father. I mean, he wasn't perfect, but uh, your heavenly father loves you. And your heavenly father cares for you. And your heavenly father wants to give you good things. Jesus is talking about uh, the, the heavenly father. He says, now what, what man among you, what father among you, if, if your child asks you for a loaf of bread, would give, you a, would give them a stone? Or if they asked for an egg, would, would give them a snake, right? Like no right thinking person would do that. And Jesus goes on to say, but your father in heaven loves you even more than that. And he knows what you need. And he wants to give it to you. Will you please stand with me? So three main ways that we talked about that we can keep our oil filled is through studying the Bible, reading the Bible, soaking, living a lifestyle of worship, and seeking constant prayer. 
is there one of these, I'm not asking you to raise your hand, but is there one of these that you feel like you're weak in or, or weaker in one of those? Is there one that you know you need to step it up for? We're going to pray here in just a moment. And if that is true for you, then I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to help you with that, you know, to give you a hunger for God's word, to give you a hunger for God's spirit. So let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you that we have your word so that we can read it and we can learn more about you and who you are. And Father, we thank you for your presence, that we are never alone, that you are with us always, even if we don't necessarily feel it. And God, we also thank you that you are a God who wants to talk with us. And we praise you for that. And God, I just ask that you speak to every person who is in this room, every person who's joining us online and who are gonna watch it later, that God, you just speak to their hearts right now. What areas they need to change? What areas they need to to, uh, step up? And we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.